The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. All right, so we're going to be um, just a few minutes up here, and then we've got to get down to watch the skit. Um, but we're going to spend a few minutes in Colossians, uh, first, first uh, actually, that's not true, First Corinthians chapter 15, um, and then we're gonna, we'll go down. But I really just want to highlight one point, okay? One point, and we're going to see it played out in the skit tonight, and, and it's part of the greatest hope that we have as believers, Right, so what's the focus of the week? What have we been talking about? Right, that Jesus is the hope of the world, right? And, and hope, y'all remember? Hope means that we have to wish really, really hard, and if we believe enough, then it'll come to pass. Is that right? No. Come on, guys. No, that's not hope, right? That's how the world talks about hope. I hope the Miami Dolphins can win more than six games this next season. Not happening, right? Like, that, that, is, that is worldly hope. That, all right, y'all chill out. Didn't mean to offend you, whoever you root for. But no, listen to me. Listen to me. Bring it back in. Listen to me. Biblical hope, man, that is our confidence It's confident expectation that what Jesus said he's going to do, he's going to do. And we can trust that, one, because he's God, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can trust that because everything Jesus has already said he's going to do, what did he do? He did it, right? Like, he called the ultimate shot in the history of the world. When he said... I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power, I have the authority to take it back up. And he did it. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope. We have confident expectation that what he said about his return and our future resurrection is sure. It's steadfast. It can't be changed. It can't be taken away from us. Listen to me. If you're a believer... If you have trusted in Christ, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection to forgive you of sins, yes, since you won't go to hell, absolutely. And our hope is then that we will not only just miss hell, but we will spend forever with him in paradise, in heaven, with him, ruling and reigning with Jesus. Because for those who have their faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that the second death, the second death has no power over us. And this is huge because death is still a reality for us. Unless Christ returns in your lifetime, you will face death. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Listen to what he says. Verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. It doesn't need me, but I can't help myself. That's so good. What's he saying? Yeah, like this body, it's going to die. It's perishable. And this flesh where sin still dwells, it cannot enter the presence of Jesus. It cannot enter the presence of God. And that's why we desperately need resurrection. Because in and of ourselves, we can't get from here to there. And so often we live under the illusion that we have some sort of control over that, and we don't. Remember my first summer working here was in 2001. It was the good old days. Camp was crazy back then. Um, It was just very different. This building didn't exist. I had way more hair and way less Rob. Like, it was awesome. Skinnier. And man, that summer, there was a guy who worked here. His name was Eric Bath. And I remember uh, one night, it was about midweek, um, I went behind the middle building. It was supper time. And I, went, I saw him go back there, and I walked back there. He was, he was cleaning a trout he had caught earlier in the week, and he was going to grill it for his supper. And uh, so I'm just back there talking to him. And all of a sudden, he, like, smacks the back of his head, and I see this uh, black uh, a hornet fly away from him. And uh, he's like, oh, man. And I was like, gotcha. And I think I said something like, better you than me. And uh, just kind of laughed at him because he was, you know, it was bugging him. <laughs> and uh, so we go on talking. Not intended, but apparently that was better than my fat joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I'm standing there talking to him, and all of a sudden he just gets really like, I mean, super white. And he's like, I don't feel right. And I was like, well, let me see if I can get you some Benadryl. And uh, I start to go in the kitchen, and he starts to fall, and he catches the edge of the sink that was back there. And he's like, whoa. And I'm like, all right, man, like, what's going on? And then he does it again, and his eyes swell out of his head and go, I mean, completely black, like doll-eyed black. And I I grab him as he's falling and, like, ease him to the ground. And I I kick open the door, and I'm yelling for the girls in there to call 911 to get an ambulance here. And then he's just not breathing. He's not breathing. Uh, I I mean, I I know nothing to do. I just start yelling his name. Uh, I'm praying over him. And, and start like, all right, do we need to start CPR here? And, and all of a sudden, uh, while that was first happening, this one guy had come around the corner um, when he got stung by the bee in the first little episode where he about passed out. And this guy came around the corner who worked here. His name was Paco. And he saw what happened, and he turned right around, and then he just took off. He jumped in a truck, and he just tore through camp, what's now like the volleyball court, basketball court. Like, kids were diving out of the way, like... <laughs> And uh, he gets to his cabin, and he was going because he's allergic to bee stings. And so he's got to keep an EpiPen with him. And he goes, and he gets that, and he gets all the way back up there, I mean, just in a couple of minutes. And he gets there as, as we're, you know, we're, all our efforts, men, are falling short. And uh, all I hear is a voice say, I've got an EpiPen. 
And then we jabbed that into his leg, and Eric went from no breathing, no pulse, and he just went, <gasps> and sat up. And we grabbed him, and we threw him in a van, and we just took off. At the time, there was a hospital here in Andrews. And when we first got him in the van, man, his pulse was just pounding. And he was talking a little bit. And so I'm trying to keep him talking, keeping him engaged. I'm praying over him. And then before we get to the end of Pisgah, which is this really windy road that you come up to get to camp, before we get to the end of that, man, I, he's not talking and I can't feel his pulse anymore. And, and I'm just yelling at the driver, man, you know, just tear through town. And we get to the hospital and I can't, I think he's gone, man. And they take him back and, you know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you hit those double doors and we can't go in. But, man, like, we got him just in time. The doctor said if we had gotten there 30 seconds later, they, he wasn't sure if they had been able to revive him. And they, they were able to revive him and, and bring him back, man. And just crazy, just crazy, right? A, a, a bee, a bee stung him. And the next uh, couple of days later, his parents uh, came to camp to see him because they love him. And... Uh, <laughs> And so they came, and, you know, he had told them the story, and so they had stopped, you know, uh, to pick up a gift for that guy, Paco. And uh, they clearly just stopped at the first Christian bookstore they saw, or, like, you know, sometimes even, like, the grocery store will have, like, a Christian book little thing that spins. And, uh, and so they gave him this gift, and, and so Paco comes and sits down next to us, and Eric and I are contemplating the mysteries of life, right? Like, we're just thousand-yard stare, you know, like, remember when he almost died? Yeah, that's what I was thinking about, you know, like, and Paco sits down and he goes, he turns over the book and he goes, well, apparently, Eric, your life is valued at nine ninety nine, And I was like, like just, but you know, like this, that moment sticks in my head because man, seriously, like something this big almost took him out. How fragile life really is when this, when the Bible says that this life is but a vapor. It's here for a second and it's gone. It's appointed unto man once to die and then to face judgment. Man, listen, we will all face this. And in and of ourselves, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In our flesh, we cannot. Our only hope is that Jesus would raise us up. But listen to what Paul says here. He's not, he's not scared. He is celebrating. Fear, the fear of death is what the enemy has used to keep humanity enslaved to innumerable religions and philosophies and lifestyles. The fear of death is what Satan has used since the beginning. But look at what Paul does here. Look what he says. And then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Paul is talking trash to death, right? He's like, this is like, we are the champions before the game is even played. Like, this is confidence. Where does that come from? Look what he says. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, the reason why we have confidence, that when we die, when we breathe our last, or when Christ returns, we have confidence that the second death will not hold us, that, that we will not enter into eternal judgment and condemnation is because Jesus Christ is already victorious over sin. He satisfied God's wrath because the law that was against us, the law that shows us our guilt, Jesus assumed it. He took it on himself. He took your guilt. He took your sin so that on the cross, God the Father saw him as guilty of your and my sin and the law was against him and it killed him. It killed him. 
But from death, Jesus destroys the power of death. From the belly of death, Jesus poisons death so that it spews him back out into glory. Because Jesus can't be held by death because he's the creator of life. Because Jesus always obeyed. Jesus in and of himself is righteous and holy. Jesus is God and death couldn't hold him. And he has now blazed a trail from this life through death into glory that if you and I are in Christ, we simply follow him. We follow him. Death won't be able to hold you because it couldn't hold Jesus. That is our hope. The final resurrection is our great hope. That death is not the end. That we'll spend forever with Jesus. Therefore, verse 58, Therefore, because of that, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What's he saying? Because of that, because death won't hold you, you're going to pass right through death into glory, be with Jesus forever, celebrating, worshiping, having fellowship, no more sin, no more temptation, no more murder, no more molestation, no more abuse, no more racism, no more division. We will simply be together worshiping Jesus. He says, because of that, don't let anything stop you from proclaiming the gospel because it's not empty. It's not in vain. It is the only hope for everyone you've ever known or will ever know. So don't let anything steal that. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Don't let sin overtake you. Just keep your eyes focused on the hope you have in Jesus and tell everybody you know about that hope. Be immovable. Be steadfast. That labor is not in vain. That labor, sharing the gospel with lost people, that's of eternal value. 